the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to His Life Revealed with Pastor Todd Granger of His Life Fellowship in San Antonio, Texas. We're glad you've chosen to join us today. Our passion at His Life Ministries is to help believers know Him and show Him. So we keep it simple. It's just about Jesus. Our prayer is that the Holy Spirit will make His truth plain to you so you can walk in freedom and enjoy the life of union that God has designed for you to live. And now, here's Pastor Todd. Well, it's the day after Christmas, but we are going to talk about Isaiah 9-6. I don't see in the Bible where that's specifically dedicated to a holiday. And you've heard me talk about this voice before if you've been here very long. I like to talk about it at Christmas time. And it is good to be reminded of what his coming means to us as children of God. Isaiah 9-6 says, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father of Eternity, Prince of Peace. The prophet Isaiah is bringing a word of hope and encouragement to the people of Israel in a very dark time. Isaiah brought his word concerning the Lord during the time when the wicked king Ahaz ruled over Israel. And King Ahaz had uh, introduced the worship of the idol called Molech. Molech was the savage god of the Ammonites. King Ahaz had erected a gigantic statue of Molech in the valley of Hinnon, and put a furnace at the feet of it where the children were thrown into the fire as offerings. Now that time was filled with superstition, fear, and idolatry. Idolatry was everywhere. Gold and silver statues were in every, almost every Israelite's home for worship. And then Ahaz came and shut the doors to the temple where there would be no more worship of God. And the temple of God was left to decay. Each year I give this message and I talk about this verse and I say, there has never been a more appropriate time for us to speak of these things. And I say it again, there has never been a more appropriate time for us to speak of these things. It was in this great darkness that God promises light for those who would see it. And as I have indicated, I see a lot of parallels 
between where Israel was then and where America is today. We live in a time of ever-increasing darkness. And it seems that the children of God, many of the children of God, have become more accustomed to the darkness than they are aware of the light. Many Christians embrace idols, the idols of this world, and encourage their children to do the same or passively allow it in their homes through internet, television, and radio. Many Christians have forsaken true corporate worship for personal pursuits of entertainment. And the practice of family worship across this country has been closed, has been left to decay, and houses of worship have been closed by city and state governments. In this time, like the children of Israel, we need to know our Savior. And Isaiah said to them, unto us. Isaiah was writing to the people of God, and this word is for every man, woman, and child who would choose Christ's salvation. God sent his Son unto us. And it is for us that the giver of life came. He came to be our Savior, to be our Redeemer, to be our life, moment by moment Every instance of our living is to be in that life. John 3, 16 and 17 says, For God so greatly loved and dearly prized the world that he even gave up his only begotten unique son so that whoever believes in, trusts in, clings to, relies on him shall not perish, come to destruction, be lost but have eternal, everlasting life. For God did not send his Son into the world in order to judge, to reject, to condemn, to pass sentence on the world, but that the world might find salvation and be made safe and sound through him. And largely the world has rejected him. The child that was born for salvation of man, born in the flesh, an infant unable to care for herself, protect itself. As a child, the enemies of God would seek to destroy him, but the babe was protected not by his parents, earthly parents, but by his father God. In the same way, in these times, as the darkness increases, as threats seem to echo about us, And they haven't even hardly begun. We are kept. We are protected. We are not only made safe, we are made confident. We are not only protected, we are assured by his life. The life that was born in the figure of a babe. The life that showed us that helplessness could could command the works of heaven to protect it. Isaiah declares the truth of this child, and he would never be a victim of man. I know the crucifixion story, but it wasn't man that put him on that cross. 
It was his obedience that put him on that cross. He was not a victim of man. Know this, that whatever comes against the child of God comes because God allows it. And we can face it in his obedience knowing that we are not the victim of man. We are not the victim of circumstance. We're not the victim of the things this world would perpetrate against us. We are literally in the plan of God, held and protected by him. Jesus didn't die on the cross because man put him there. Jesus died on the cross because he gave his life. What have you determined to give? The prophet declares him to be a savior. And he walked this earth, not the victim of man, not swayed by fear. He walked in the confidence of faith. He is the redeemer, the gift of salvation. The prophet continues. A son is given, and I love that. He's God's gift. God's gift to you. God's gift to man. Given, not just on loan for a time, not an intermittent presence, but given in whole. He gave us his life that he might be life to us. Isaiah 7.14 says, Therefore the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, the young woman who is unmarried, a virgin, shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel, God with us. And that comes echoing into my head and heart every time, every, every year that this season rolls around. Emmanuel. How often do I forget Emmanuel? He is God with us, not God who wants to be with us. Not God that's with us occasionally. Not God that lends us his presence in the time of need. But God with us. Particularly the child of God. He is God with us. Never to separate himself from us. Born to be God within us. Ever present. Never to leave or separate from his own. This is his name, not just his action. He was born in flesh to create through his sacrifice a new life for us. And what is that life? We've been given eternal life, which means for the child of God, he has been given an eternally animated life, animated by God's own son. We are in his presence. He is our Emmanuel. We are his children. We will never be separated from God. The true definition of death is separation from God. And we need never ever to fear death. For his children are never separated from him. Romans 8, 38 and 39. I've used this verse a lot of late. Why? Because the accuser would come and overwhelm you with circumstance and things going on around you and give you a sense uh, that God has somehow become passive to your situation or that he has somehow separated himself from your circumstances. But it is very clear here. Paul says, for I am persuaded. Life had convinced Paul. You could not unconvince Paul. Life had shown him through every situation, no matter what he went through, and he went through all kinds of extremity, all kinds of persecutions, all kinds of threats, 
ups and downs and highs and lows. He had seen the miracles of God, the deliverance of God, the healing of God. But he'd also seen the cruelty of men, the pain of the body, the things inflicted on him by the hate of man. He'd seen it all. And he declares, I am persuaded. There's nothing in this life that has come against me that has changed my conviction. I am fully and completely persuaded. I've heard people say, this is what I believe, and I've seen them change their mind. I've heard people say, this is my conviction, and I've seen them waffle back and forth. But not this, not this man. He was firmly in the grip of God and he says, I am persuaded you won't convince me otherwise. And he's not saying somebody debated me and gave me reason to believe. What he is saying is that life has convinced me. The presence and the power of God has convinced me. My circumstances have convinced me beyond any explanation. He is always there. I am persuaded Beyond doubt, I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, no supernatural work, nor things impending and threatening, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God. Now, I like that, that he included us in that. Because he's not just saying how much God loves him. He's saying, this tenacious love will not be abated for anyone who God calls his own. Nothing will separate us, that's you, from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. It comes to us in the person of Christ. And we are in Christ. Living in the fear of death is the result of not having the right definition of life. If we Christians are ever going to be the bright lights that we need to be in this dark world... We should choose to live life to the fullest in Christ, not in fear, but in holy confidence, enjoying the fellowship and intimacy we have through our union with Christ. For the child of God, there should be an abandon to truth. There should be a confidence that everything that he has declared concerning himself and you is the absolute, unfiltered truth, and you determine to live through it. By it, with it. Paul says, I'm convinced. But I see and hear Christians waffling as the world throws different perspectives, different ideas, different things at them to shake them, to move them, to push them towards fear, to push them towards self-protection. And Paul says, I am convinced. No threat, no impending disaster, no power to be or exist will shake me from the love of God. Now, the love of God is more. It's more than his affection for you. The love of God is your security. The love of God is your provision. The love of God is eternity. It is you. 
So when God says, I'm going to give you my love, he means I'm going to give you my son. He means I'm going to give you new life. He says, I'm going to give you eternity. I'm going to give you heaven one day. I'm going to give you protection. I'm going to give you provision. I'm going to give you everything that I have. I have literally written in the, in your plan from the foundations of the earth. I'm going to give it all to you. That's all contained in my love. Every bit of it. Jesus came because of the Father's love. Jesus died because of the Father's love. Jesus gave you life because of the Father's love, because of God's love, because of the triune God's love. You are alive in this moment because God has ordained that you should live, and by His love, He is sovereign in your life. His love holds you. His love keeps you. Jesus walked in a holy confidence, just as we should, enjoying the fellowship and intimacy we have through our union with with him, as Jesus did with the Father. Isaiah further declares that the government shall be on his shoulders. Now, in this, Isaiah is prophetically referencing the millennia. But what a promise is that? Man, what a beautiful promise. Remember that when the, what the nation of Israel was experiencing in the time that this promise was made. They were living under a wicked ruler, a king that threatened everything, a king that would have them throw their babies at the feet of Molech, be burned to death, a king that was unbelievably wicked. That's what they were looking at. In the midst of all of that, those who were devout, those who were still the worshipers of God in Israel, looked at the government and said, Oh God, will we ever be delivered from this? And he says, Oh yes, you will. The government will be, not may be, not might be, but will be upon his shoulders. The only shoulders that can possibly bear that. No longer the shoulders of man. Man will never get government right. And for man, it will always be a burden too big for him to bear. The day will come when government will rest solely on his shoulders, the only shoulder strong enough to lift government above the weakness of man and make it righteous. God has saved his children from the rule of flesh, and one day he will save this world from the rule of men. Now let's look at the names ascribed to this child. And remember, in the Bible, names reflect character. Not just what they do, but who they are. Isaiah declares, his name shall be Wonderful Counselor. Remember, this is God saying this through the pen of Isaiah. Now, who do you think will call him Wonderful Counselor? Who's that going to be? Us. We will. Right now, our lives are affirming this prophecy. We are participating in the wisdom of God because he is our life and he is our counsel. His life is our counsel. God is declaring that you shall know your God as wonderful counselor. That's an intimate relationship. That's quite a declaration for God to make concerning us, isn't it? You shall know him as wonderful counselor. See, you're not the architect of your spiritual life. God is. And you're being led. You have a shepherd. You have his counsel. 
And that's not just occasionally getting advice from him. That's receiving the eternal counsel of God. Our lives are in union with the wisdom of God. And many times the enemy wants to convict, convince us that we have no way of knowing anything, that we have no way of figuring out anything, that we can't possibly rely on God to do anything. We've got to seek it out ourselves. And then we get frantic when we can't find it. When we can't find an answer in the temporal world. We can't, you know, there's always faith, but that's a last resort, right? Or maybe it's just an addendum to your seeking. What he is promising here is that you will live and walk in the counsel of God. Now, that's not just counsel you perceive. That's not just counsel you, you hear. It's not even just counsel you follow. Do you believe that the wisdom of God prevails? Well, certainly it prevails. So you know what you can say? No matter what your lot, no matter what comes before you, you can say with confidence and assurance, I walk in the wisdom and counsel of the eternal God. I yield my life to to walk in obedience to the wisdom and counsel of the eternal God. My sheep hear my voice. You're receiving even now. Apart from the wisdom and counsel of God, do you think we would understand or comprehend a single word of this book? Our lives are in union with wisdom. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 30 says, But it is from him that you have your life in Christ Jesus, whom God made our wisdom from God. Revealed to us a knowledge of the divine plan of salvation previously hidden. Manifesting itself as our righteousness. Thus making us upright and putting us in right standing with God. And our consecration. Making us pure and holy. And our redemption. Providing our ransom and eternal penalty for sin. He is all. He is your wisdom. He is your righteousness. He is your holiness. He is your consecration. He is the fullness of all that God desires for his children. And he is in you and you are in him. And that is what God is promising Israel. In a time of darkness, in a time when the government of man seems to be able to crush them. He is saying to them, do not fear. I am sending Emmanuel. And he shall be for you a wonderful counselor. This counselor and his counsel are wonderful. And that means miraculous, beyond the capacity of man to comprehend. He is wonderful in all his ways and plans. And he has declared that you will know him by that name. Not just in heaven one day, but now. And it's wonderful (laughs) to be able to pray, Lord, I don't know. Lord, I don't have a clue. Lord, I don't understand. And I'm sure what I think I understand, I don't understand. Right? Isn't it good to be able to say that? But I know that you are my wonderful counselor. That because your life is in me, I operate in the counsel of God. I operate in the wisdom of God. I operate in the plan of God. I am not removed because of my own ignorance. I love that. Isaiah continues, he shall be called mighty God, 
Now, as I pointed out before, I really love the order here because it tells us that he is not a God that abandons us to our weakness. The wisdom of God is not enough if we're not empowered to act upon it. Our God is with us as he was with Jesus on earth, empowering us through Christ's life unto obedience. So everything that God called Christ to, God the Father enacted. Everything that he put before Christ in an act of obedience, God empowered him to do it. Jesus had no fear of obedience. He embraced it. He loved it. Because in each point of obedience, the revelation of the one whom he loved most, the absolute manifestation of the one that he desired to be with most, was there. It's just the same with you. And obedience is not some huge thing all the time. Obedience is getting up in the morning and giving yourself and your mind and your soul and all that you are to walk in his will and his way. Obedience is recognizing his presence every moment of every day. Obedience is living a life that is completely in the context of God himself, knowing him. Obedience is living by faith in all that he has created and empowered you to be. That's what it is. Not living in obedience is living according to the flesh in all that the flesh believes itself capable of, of maintaining and being. Desperation comes from seeing yourself according to the flesh and others the same way. He is a mighty God. He shall be called a mighty God. And what's also in this is that you will have the testimony that your God is mighty. Isn't that good? It shall be your testimony that your God is mighty. He's not weak. He's not just someone you pray to from afar off. But he is mighty, which means that you recognize his activity, his mighty activity all about you. Thank you for joining us for His Life Revealed with Pastor Todd Granger. This program is the radio ministry of His Life Fellowship in San Antonio, Texas. If you'd like to know more about us, visit us on the web at hislifeministries.org or on Facebook at His Life Fellowship. We would love to have you join us for worship. We meet on Saturdays at 5 p.m. at 1307 Blanco Woods at the corner of Blanco Road and Blanco Woods, just inside Loop 1604. Also, if you would like to help support this ministry, you can send your tax-deductible donation to His Life Ministries, P.O. Box 1894, Bernie, Texas, 78006. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.